Welcome back to our season previews here on the Ultimate Fantasy Podcast. This is episode three of four. Yes, only one more to go after this then the season hits. Big, big time. Uh, on today's episode in part one, we're going to do the promoted clubs. We've got Norwich and Sheffield United. Then in part two, Lindsay Hooper will be joining us to talk through the Manchester debacle. Well, Manchester debacle one end not so debacle the other end man united man city and then in part three we'll be finishing on a high note yes it is of course uh, the bookies favorites for something newcastle I won't tell you what that something is but pretty sure you can guess in the studio with me i have nathan hey. and of course the secret journalist hello phil all right <laughs> I don't know why that amuses me. It just does. Right, let's get cracking then. Norwich, Norwich, Norwich. The newcomers, Norwich. The up and down club. Um, these are this is this team supported by the fantasy football chaps. Provide us with a lot of information, actually. But Phil, what are your thoughts on Norwich? Obviously, being a Leeds fan, you might remember the Canaries beating you to the punch. They scored yeah. ninety-three goals last season. That's the best in the league. Can we expect a swashbuckling, ball-playing team to be involved in a? High-scoring games. Uh, that that's what they tried to do last season and succeeded. You know, to, to all extended purposes, their uh, their manager, like Daniel Farker, he, he is a he is a, he's a manager who wants to play attacking football. He wants to be positive and he wants to send his side out to score more goals than the opposition. I, I you know, that is all well and good doing that in the championship, but it's a massive step up from that level to the Premier League, and I just think that. It would be somewhat naive of him to. I mean, look, it'd be it'd be amazing if they come up and they have a go at it, and it and it comes off, and and you know they they're involved in lots of thrilling games with lots of goals, and they end up pipping teams. I, I just think it might be naive of him to try and do so. So I think he's going to have to temper his attacking instincts a little bit. Uh, but you know, these these managers, he, he strikes me as as someone he's come through that that Borussia. Borussia Dortmund system the same way that um, Klopp did and well not Klopp well, he kind of went through Dortmund he went through the system but mm. um, uh, Wagner at Huddersfield did and he was the same you know when he went to Huddersfield he wanted to play attacking football and then he had to curb it when they went to the Premier League and as you saw you know, they barely scored a goal didn't they last season mm. so he kind of got caught between his maybe his natural instincts and what was required to survive in the Premier League Um but no, I, I hope they try to attack. I hope he doesn't completely give it up. But you know, he's got to be realistic as well. Nathan, Nathan, what do we know about newcomers Norwich? Uh, they obviously won the championship last season. They only lost one game um, in the league in 2019. Uh, in terms of players that are worthwhile looking at, obviously Buendia, 35 appearances last year. Eight goals, five assists. Onel Hernandez, who I've actually taken a chance on. Mm. Uh, 34 appearances, eight goals, nine assists. And then the right-back, Max Ahrens. 41 appearances, six assists from right-back. You wonder how many clean sheets Norwich are going to pick up next season, though. Mm. They've got a few players that have done well, obviously, last season for them. I think their main striker would be, um, I do hope I'm saying this right, Timu Puki. Did yeah, I say that's that right. 
Yeah, uh, Fox in the box, apparently. Um, do they? Uh, do these strikers that come up? I mean, he scored twenty nine goals. Uh, he got nine assists. And that's in forty three appearances. But normally, strikers struggle in the Premier League, don't they? When they come up, uh, Pookie, uh, I would. But yeah, I mean, I, I, it's, I'm, I've problems like talking about him in general in the same way that you're talking about, you know, these kind of strikers who come up from the champ or do well in the championship and don't do so well in the Premier League. Like a, a Dwight Gale is a good example mm. of that kind of striker. I think Pook is an even more isolated example because he wasn't expected to do well in the championship either. Um, he was signed off for like a free transfer last summer and completely blew everyone away with how he performed because nobody expected. Um, one of my, one of my, parents next door neighbours is a big Celtic fan he goes up and watches Celtic on a regular basis and I remember when Norwich signed Pookie I didn't know much about him and I asked him about him and he thought he was useless he just going about ah oh, he's, yeah, he's rubbish yeah, he'll, never, he'll never do anything and then look he's just going to score 29 goals so there's no reason why he can't you know anyone's capable of, of excelling anyone's capable of overachieving yeah. I would just think maybe having overachieved to such a degree last season it it's, it'd be asking a lot of him to suddenly rock up in the Premier League and overachieve again to that level. But didn't they say that about Jamie Vardy? Well, yeah, exactly. And like I said, there, there, are, there are precedents. There are always precedents for this kind of stuff. I don't know enough about him as a person. I don't know enough about uh, about, about what Norwich are trying to do with him next season to, to, to like predict with 100% certainty whether he'll be a success or not. Um, on the evidence of last season, he's got a chance of scoring goals there. I just It's asking a lot of him, though. Might be uh, worth a punt uh, for the draft fantasy managers as a third striker. Maybe. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have him as your leading. No, front but at least but he's going to play, isn't he? You, yeah. Although they have signed a, they've signed a Swiss international forward. Uh, is it Dermich? Is that what he's called? Um, mm. They've signed him, who who potentially might might get a look in ahead of Pookie. But you know, who we'll knows? See. League position then, Phil. Where are Norwich going to finish? Uh... 19th or 20th. I had them down as bottom, actually. Yeah, I, I think that... Um, and, and I think they're realistic. In, um, I think poss- possibly possibly they would see... It's a bonus for them. They finished the season before last in the Championship. They were sort of 14th, 15th, I think, something mm-hmm. like that. Um, and last season, everything clicked into... After a bad start, everything clicked into gear. I think that they would they would see this season as a as a bonus, and if they stay up, it's an even bigger bonus. But I don't think that they will be budgeting or realistically thinking we can definitely stay up. I think they'll look at it as a building process, so that even if they go down, they'll be better armed in the championship next season, and then come back even stronger than they did this first year. That mm-hmm. kind of yo-yo effect of building on building on you know successive not associated successive seasons in the Premier League, but intermittent seasons in the Premier League. Mm, indeed uh, the yo-yo club uh, Nathan I'd like to see him stay up but I can't see anything other than a relegation struggle I think they'll be the the best of those teams 18th mm, well a lot of our friends who are Ipswich fans will be happy to hear that um, next up another promoted team Sheffield United finally back in the Prem after X amount of years I can't remember <laughs> uh, built differently to Norwich of course and uh uh, Chris Wilder, who those of us in the lower leagues know about a hell of a lot, uh, he's finally made it to the Premier League. They only conceded 41 goals last season. And that's yeah. a joint best alongside uh, Choni Pulis Burrowside, just for some context. Uh, can we expect a defensively solid park-the-bus type team, or are we going to see a little bit more? 
Oh, no. Wilder is not part of the bus okay. in, in any way, shape or form. Like, you, you've used that comparison there with with, uh, with Pulis and Burra. I mean, okay, the record defensively are similar, but they could not be more starkly contrasting. Like, Wilder is, is an innovator. He's a very, very clever, very savvy, very smart coach. Pulis, I don't want to do him down too much, but I think, like, as most people, he's of an older school. And he's a slightly more, well, much more conservative than Wilder is. No, Wilder is not part of the bus by any means. They they didn't concede many goals, largely because they were uh, were a progressive football team and tried to take the game to the opposition. I think to some extent. Okay, so they do keep the ball. They like to keep the ball. Yeah, I think so. I, I, I mean, granted that the, uh, as we were talking about with Norwich, it's. You have to temper what you do in the championship, your expectations of what you can do in the championship and what you can do in the Premier League. Realistically, Sheffield United are, are probably going to have less of the ball than their opponent in pretty much all of their Premier League games. Um, I don't think they were necessarily... They, they weren't like a kind of a hugely dominant possession-based football team. Like, Say, for example, like Leeds well, last season. Leeds dominated teams with possession, uh, and that's why they didn't concede a massive amount of goals. They conceded crucially and didn't score many, but um, the... The kind of Sheffield United model is it's not built solely around possession, but they're going to have to realistically expect that they're not going to have a massive amount of it against a lot of Premier League sides. Yeah. Mm. Um, Nathan, 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 beer man. Uh, let's have some Sheffield United stats. Don't know too much about them, do we? No, we, um, I've s- seen a little bit of them last season, but not a lot, if I'm completely honest. But 23 goals from Billy Sharp last year. He is 33 years old, though. Um, he's played two games in the Premier League previously in his career. No goals. He's um, a key player for Southampton when they came back into the Premier League and scored 19 goals to help them up, but then was jetsoned after two games and sent to Forest on loan. Mm. A player that you and I know well, Alfie, and yeah. Stevens, uh, attacking left back, 45 appearances, six assists. He does get four and he's got good delivery. Not the quickest fullback in no. the world, no. um, but a good solid player. Um and only four and a half million on fantasy football. So again, if you're looking for players to round out your squad that might pick you up some points. Uh, they only scored 78 goals last season, which isn't a mm. massive amount. Um, so is it fair to say their struggle for goals? I mean, they bought in Ollie McBurney for 20 million from Swansea. He scored 24 goals in the championship. Um, yeah. Is he a type of player to make an impression for them, do you think? Um, I, I think McBurney might struggle. I don't think he's. I don't think he's the answer to them. But then... The thing is that what Sheffield United have clearly done is that they and, and Wilder's, Wilder does this. I certainly he's done it. At more, I think most of the clubs he's been. I certainly did it at Sheffield United. Is that he kind of spreads his his attacking options. He's, he brings in quite a lot of strikers who could potentially make a difference. Like he he brought in like Leon Clark. He brought Leon Clark in. who was a sort of a journeyman mm. League One and League Two striker, uh, and somehow turned him into like a, a proper Championship striker. But he's he, he spreads because he's got Billy Sharp there who has been around a long time and he's a savvy player. He's not going to score you 20 goals a season in the Premier League. Neither is David McGoldrick. But what he's done is the money that Sheffield United have spent this summer has all been around attacking players. So he's bought Callum Robinson from Preston, who is an attacking player. He's listed in Interesting, he's listed in midfield in, um, in the FPL uh, game. And only at five point five million, so it's, that might not be a bad shout. He's he's probably going to play a bit further forward than that. They've signed Liss Musset from Bournemouth, not 
entirely convinced by him, but he's another attacking option they've brought in. And then, like you said, they've bought McBurney as well. So they've got a lot of attacking options there. I think he's thinking we can spread our goals across four or five players here, which doesn't necessarily help out fantasy football players very much. No, it doesn't really, does it? Uh, but Phil, okay, right? Hot tip time. This is the big, big, big one. Okay, this is the player that could be worth taking the gamble on. It is, of course, Ravel Morrison. Now, hugely talented, of course. <laughs> hugely, uh, well, let's just say he's a character. Uh, 17 Premier League games, uh, three goals. That was in 2013, 2014. That's when he played for West Ham. I think he scored a couple of worldies or wonder goals against Spurs or something. I don't know. Uh, so since leaving West Ham, he's played for QPR, Cardiff, Lazio, QPR again, Atlas in Mexico, Ostersund, where he made only nine appearances. Since joining Lazio, he's made 47 competitive appearances in the last four years. That includes only five goals. He's still only 26. He's a nuisance player. I mean, it just stinks of someone that's going to explode on the scene, have, a, have an amazing season, or uh, just be amazing for 10 or five games and then go live in a caravan. Uh, I, I don't think he'll be either of those things. <laughs> no, surely go live in a caravan. Oh, he might live in a caravan. I don't know. Does he like? Does he like sort of camping and things like that? Have you heard that? I mean, I, I just thought he'd go full Marco Boogers. I don't know. Oh well, yeah. No one wants to go full Marco Boogers. Um, he's he's a. He, I think it's a punt. That it's, it's just you know he's obviously a talented kid. Uh, I don't. I'd be very surprised if he turned into this kind of maverick world beater for Sheffield United. I'd be really, really surprised. Maybe one worth taking a punt on, guys. <laughs> if you're drunk. <laughs> uh, league position then, Phil. Where do you see Sheffield United finishing? Um, I I think they'll occupy the other 19th or 20th spot that Norwich still have. Mm. I agree and with I, you. I, I actually say that with a bit... And I, I know this is... You know, as, a, as a Leeds fan, I, I should probably have a little bit of hostility towards Sheffield United, although... That's for angry football fans to get involved in. Um, I think that I, I save it with a heavy heart about Sheffield United getting relegated because against all my better judgment, I quite like Chris Wilder. Oh, me quite, too, man. I like how he goes about stuff and I think he's an honest and uh, a talented manager who, you know, it, it would be a good story if he kept them up, but I don't think he would. Mm. Uh, Nathan, we've got them. We're avoiding all Sheffield United players, apparently. Uh, see them staying up? Yeah, I've got them going down unfortunately finishing bottom I just think that they will struggle mm. well we are taking the easy option out on me by going for the promoted teams okay uh, that is the end of part one uh, coming up in part two uh, we got the fabulous Lindsay Hooper who will be joining us to pick through the bones of Manchester the two Manchester clubs Man United and Man City don't go anywhere this is ground control Hello, welcome to part two. Oh, we're all here again. Isn't it great? Isn't it brilliant? Yes, welcome back. Um, let's talk Manchester, Manchester. And hey, can you hear that? I think that's the phone ringing. Uh, hey, who's that on the phone? That's right. It's the Offside Rules Lindsay Hooper. Let's get her in on the conversation. Hello, Lindsay. I did not realise when I was signing up for this that it meant every day. I mean, I, I, I like you a lot, Alfie. You're, you're a good friend. You're a friend of mine. But, you know, this is getting too, this is getting too much. You're getting, you're getting all of six months of me in one few small week. That's what's happening. <laughs> 
All right. So, um, what talk- you got for me today, then? Yeah. So, talking about um, craziness. Uh, so, Lindsay, you are a bright, intelligent human being, right? Maybe you can tell us what's going on at United. Well, when we're talking about Manchester United, we've obviously got to say when we're recording this because you like to do things in advance. Who knows? This might have all been wrapped up and you might have to edit all of this out, Alfie. So who mm-hmm. knows? But as it stands, there's this whole debacle to do with the Lukaku swap deal with Juventus. And this is all up in the air. Are they going to get two players? They're going to get just Dybala and some money. Uh, but it does look like something's going to happen here. Now, I would be quite excited if I was a Manchester United fan about getting Dybala. Paolo Dybala, really good player. I think the only problem that I can foresee in this is that he doesn't want to leave Juventus. So he doesn't want to be part of this deal. He's happy where he is. And I think when you get players like that and you prize them away, sometimes you have the, I hate to say it because many of you fans are going to know what I'm going to say, the Angel Di Maria effect, Mm. which is, they're a great player, but they don't ever really come to the fore because really in their gut, in their in their pit of their stomach, they didn't want it at that time. Now, it's not to say that they wouldn't want it eventually, but I think that that's a conversation that I'm interested to know how that develops and whether they can convince or certainly lure Dybala to wanting that want to be at Manchester United. You know, he should be. They're one of the biggest clubs, as we know, in the world. But, you know, if you're happy at a club, it's a little bit like someone trying to prize away um, Raul Jimenez from Wolves um, with my with my Wolves hat on. Um, he's, he's definitely a player capable of playing for one of the top four, but is happy in Wolverhampton, happy at Wolves at the moment. And I think you have to just measure those things out. So it's all interesting times. I think Bruno Fernandes as well is the name that's been linked. He would be a good acquisition too. But I, I, from what I understand, that will only happen if Paul Pogba leaves the club. Um, and how many clubs can afford Paul Pogba and his wages? Well, Madrid was supposedly interested, but, you know, they've just paid quite a lot for Eden Hazard. Or they can also dig deep again for him, PSG, another. So there's so much still to play out. Solskjaer saying as well that he wants three signings. You know, if those two come in, Fernandez and Dybala, then who's, who's the third one? Um, so far, Wan-Bissaka, great, you know, massive fan of him at Crystal Palace, is only going to get better. He's got all that valuable experience of playing pretty much most games in the Premier League. So he knows what it's all about. I think he will be easy to slot in. And then Daniel James, who is coming out of Swansea, someone that, you know, has been highly thought of and tipped for the future, but probably needs to do a lot more work before he's um, going to be a Premier League regular. Um, so really, when you look at the ins and outs at Manchester United, there's so much still undecided, so much still to be done before you can really predict what they're going to do. And as as it is at the moment, because I know that's what you're going to come to, <laughs> um, without without Fernandez, without these three signings that Solskjaer is talking about, then I think that they're going to be outside the top mm. six. I think they're going to be seventh <laughs> or eighth. Well, Lindsay, you uh, echo my thoughts exactly. Uh, Phil, let's bring you back into the mix so you don't go away lightly. I know how much you love talking about Man United. But am I right to think that this year their key player is going to be McTominay? (laughs) It's going to be a stable (laughs) fiction at midfield. I I just get the feeling that he's going to be the one that's going to come through. But what? But I, yeah, that's fine. But like for our purposes, what what value does he bring? Well, what value do the other players bring? Rashford, nah. Martial, yeah. good every now and then. Yeah, Pogba's going to score penalties, isn't he? I mean, he's, yeah. he's he chips in the old goal. Um, I, yeah, 
McTominay will probably play quite quite a lot because um, he's. I, mean, I, I rate him. I think I think he's a decent player. But like Solskjaer's remit at that club is to develop the young players, and he appears to be at the leading front of that sort of crop of young players that are coming through. So I think he'll play, but he's kind of. He's Carrick-like, isn't he, in, in, mm. in his sort of presence on the pitch. And Carrick would not have yielded huge amount returns for um, for a, a fantasy football manager. Um, he's, he's kind of a he's, a... he's not even like sort of the, like your real hardcore tough tackler, is he? He's not... No. Like they've got Matic for that. Um, like, McTominay strikes me as a kind of... Again, we've spoken about this before, but a potential sort of operator in midfield who plays the pass before an assist that kind of presence a little bit mm. fair enough uh keep them on your radar that's what i say <laughs> um their defense man what are they what did you say we used to say to me off the mic they were listed at 5.5 million yeah most of them are like spread across they've got like sort of five is it defenders that are spread across all 5.5 million and 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 you know and, and five as well 5.5 5 million the yeah. one of them that stands out is is obviously Juan Bissaka, because yeah. he's he's a fullback and he's attacking fullback. Solskjaer wants to play attacking football. He, he, at five point five million, it looks like that looks like a decent yeah. One hundred twenty points last season. That's not yeah. bad at all. Fair enough, um, Nathan. You got some juicy OGS stats, yeah. Haven't you? Um, based behind Ollie since he's been at the wheel. Um, in his first seventeen games, only one defeat including a run of eight successive wins. But since he was made permanent, they only won two of their last 10 games. And their final five games, they only picked up two points. So two draws, three defeats. Cool blimey, eh? Cool blimey. Um, Lindsay, hearing those stats, I have a nice, easy question for you. Which month is Ole Gunnar Solskjaer going to get the sack? Oh, I don't <laughs> like to talk like this, Alfie. You don't yeah, have like to, but you can just give me back. a month. Just give me a month. I think the thing is, I don't mind talking about it because if he does get the sack, Manchester United were naive enough to give him quite a deal last season. And I think they gave him that deal quite early on um, and they're probably regretting it. But I just think it's another example of them not being savvy and doing the business right. By the way, uh, December, I say. Oh, you want me to You want me no. to actually put my nails no, on? No, I don't. If you want me to say a month? No, I think, he's, I think he'll get, I'm going to say February. Oh, that's being generous. Actually, you're probably right. It probably will be more around December because there'll be a question mark otherwise of is there anything salvageable? You know, if they're going to look like they're finishing eighth or ninth or something like that, is it worth bringing in a manager if they're not going to catch the top four? Maybe we give them to the end of the season then. I don't know. Who knows what goes through the the minds minds of these people, these decision makers. Uh, Nathan, are you going to be as generous as uh, myself and Lindsay? Man United to finish eighth this season with Oli to be no longer at the will during October. Wow. I think they might scrape in the top four. Amazing. You shouldn't be drinking this early in the day, Phil. (laughs) Right, let's move on. Let's go back to the phone. Uh, Lindsay, uh, Manchester City. Uh, the machine that is Man City, uh, they score lots of goals, keep clean sheets, 20 last season, actually. So the biggest question mark in the fantasy world is over the, the lineup of the defence. Is uh, Shinchenko nailed on for left back? I don't know about nailed on. I think that there's going to be some competition there with Angelino, who they brought in from PSV Eindhoven. Um, but the fact is that he knows the state of play already. He's played in the Premier League, might not have 
up as much as people wanted. But I think that throughout pre-season, he's the one that's probably bedded in with the players. So at the start of the season, I think we might see a bit of Zinchenko. Um, but I think the moment that he perhaps doesn't deliver what Pep Guardiola wants, we might see Angelino introduced and getting some, some competition going. And that, of course, is what is brilliant at Manchester City. There is competition for every single place in that team. Uh, De Bruyne looks like he's going to be absolutely epic again this season. I've never seen a player pass the ball the way that he can. And now that he's over his injury, but you know, you, you look through the team and you think, well, does anyone deserve to now be out of that starting eleven that did so well last season? That there is always going to be competition. I think that is what is going to drive City forward to another title. I mean, if they do it three years in a row, it's unprecedented. They've got got it in their locker to be able to do so. So at centre back. Uh, is Fernandinho being moved to the back line to supplement Pep's tactical needs? You know what? Probably because, well, first of all, he's such a, a talented player, but it's going to save his legs. You know, get being one of the older players in the team, moving him back, it is probably going to get another season or two out of him. He is such a key part of that team. And you know, that they brought in Rodri, who can really fill that Fernandinho role um, from Atletico Madrid. I think he will easily slot in to be able to do that. To So I think Fernandinho, yes, if we're going to see much of him, I think he's going to maybe be the replacement Vincent company, but you can't have a replacement Vincent no. company, can you? Because he's just irreplaceable. But you, you see what I'm saying. Mm. I'm I'm up for gambling a bit on Fernandinho action, actually. Uh, Phil, yeah. hello. Uh, Man City, uh, I think most fantasy managers will be looking at Kevin De Bruyne at 9.5 and Sterling at 12 million and thinking, well, if I get KDB, uh, I can splash the cash on other players like Salah, etc. What do you think? Uh, I I think Sterling is, this is controversial, I think Sterling is the number one pick for any fantasy football manager. Above Salah? Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. I would have Sterling over Salah now. Um, last season, he, he stepped it up a level. He he, he became... And, 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 I'm, and look, I'm, you, you do, there are always two ways of talking about this. You talk about them as an actual footballer in real life and you talk about them as a fantasy football commodity. Yeah. But talk about them as a fantasy football commodity. Sterling was, was superb last year. And I think that what he provides, like De Bruyne is undoubtedly a world-class footballer. He really is superb, but he Sterling makes more impact points-wise. And I think even to the extent that it's worth paying that little bit extra money to go for him. Mm, no fencing there, Phil, is there, eh? <laughs> of course, if Phil is wrong, please do get in touch. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I accept all sorts. Accept all sorts of bricks through windows. <laughs> Too right. Uh, Nathan, uh, Man City, they've got some players, haven't they? Yeah, some like hidden gems. Raheem Sterling, little-known player. <laughs> Streets ahead. Um, the only place where Sterling is ahead of anything at the moment. But um, 532 on fan tracks, 234 on FPL. And the next player to come close to him was Aguero with 444 on fan tracks and 201 on FPL. Fernandinho looks like he could play centre half as discussed previously. Could be very busy with tackles and interceptions, which might work for any draft fantasy managers utilising Conte points. Yep, yeah, totally. You know, you know that's me. Um, league position, then, Phil. You obviously, considering you said Liverpool will come second, I'm guessing that means that Man City would win the league for you. 
No, I'm, I'm Newcastle are going to win the league. <laughs> yeah, of course, of course, Man City. Yeah, yeah, they're they're, they're going to win the league this year. Done. And Lindsay, uh, you think Man City are going to win the league, right? Yeah, I do. I do. I think they're going to do three seasons in a row. Uh, for the state of the Premier League, probably isn't what they want. You know, you want different winners. You want it to be so competitive, but it's so difficult to not see it that way when you look at the, the depth of squad and the quality within the team. People were t- talking last season about, you know, Manchester City's B team. If you entered them into the Premier League, where would they finish? And people were saying the top six. I mean, if you've got if you've got one to eleven, and then you know twelve to twenty three, that you can you can do that. Uh, how can anyone else really compete with it? Man City, eh? the machine that is Man City. Well, thank you again, Lindsay, for joining us. Hey, you'll be joining us tomorrow for some more. One more time, is it? <laughs> one one more. more time, just like one Daft Punk. Indeed, oh, okay. we did at the same time, and we'll be talking about um, Southampton. That other team in the South Coast, and some small provincial club, uh, you might have heard them, called Wolves. Do I finally get to talk about Wolves? That's why I've been coming on every day. I was waiting for you to get to Wolves. <laughs> I th- thought I'd so say it finally we last. Have to do it. Okay. Luckily, right. they start with W, so, you know, that's how that works. i <laughs> right, been lucky for you. <laughs> yeah, indeed. indeed. Uh, so I'll speak to you tomorrow, Lindsay. I'll speak to you tomorrow. Bye. Thanks, and bye. And that is the end of part two. Uh, say goodbye to Lindsay for another day. She'll be joining us back again tomorrow, of course. Uh, in part three, though, don't go anywhere because in part three, we got Newcastle, who feels thinks going to win the league. Yeah, Steve Bruce's army. Steve Bruce's army. Join us in just one moment. Welcome to part three. Uh, next up, it's Newcastle. Comedy Central's Newcastle. Uh, now, Phil, uh, Steve Bruce, isn't it a bit unfair, the mockery that's going on? I mean, he's not a completely awful manager. He's not as bad as, say, Mark Hughes, is he? I mean, are things really that bad? Well, they are bad at Newcastle. I don't, I don't, think, I don't think Steve Bruce necessarily needs to be the the lightning rod for that, although inevitably he will be. Uh, Ashley's worse. I mean, he's the one to blame for all the mess in Newcastle. Steve Bruce is always going to look bad because he's replacing Rafa Benitez, who's been absolutely superb yeah. for Newcastle. So it, it would have taken something special. It would have taken a, a proper, you know, inspiring appointment to get Newcastle Newcastle fans back on board for Rafa Benitez and let's be honest Steve Bruce is he's a lot of things but he's not inspiring is he I mean, he's not <laughs> he's not someone who you point and you immediately say well I'll tell you what we're going to be playing some bloody good football next year he's he's just he's, he's done a perfectly fine job at most of the clubs that he's been at but he ain't inspiring no no but they have splashed the cash haven't they? I mean, they've obviously lost Rondon, Rondon, or Rondon, which is, by the way, devastating to all fantasy managers. Yeah, yeah. Um, lost Perez to Leicester, um, but uh, they've still got Almiron, who they signed last season, mm. and they've just signed that striker Joel Linton, who for forty million for a bang average striker, it's quite exciting. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's forty million for quid for so he scored seven goals in twenty-eight games in the Bundesliga last year, and and you know. 
not that, that that again. Who knows? He might he might they might see something in him. They might think he's. Gonna, I don't think he's going to pull up any trees on the on the basis of that. Um, I, I think New, Newcastle are just a mess. They're a mess of a football club, and I don't think there's any strategy. I don't think there's any long term thinking. Largely because I just don't think Ashley really wants to be there, but he don't want to sell it on the cheap. Um, and then also he's got he's got other issues to deal with in his his business empire as well at the moment, which are clearly taking his attention away from. Him. I just think they're a mess, and I don't. I think I can't see anything positive coming out of Newcastle this year. And I, I say that from a not just a reality point of view, but also fantasy football point of view. Like where mm. where are the points coming from there? Mm. <laughs> which brings us nicely to you, Nathan. Where are those points going to come from? I mean, maybe there's a few players. There, there's a few. This is very much reluctant with a gun to my head right. Matt Ritchie five and a half million he's listed as a defender this year as he's ended last season playing as a wing back eight assists last season he's generally on their set pieces as well quite creative depends what Bruce does with him Bruce does play with wing back so he could be moving back to that position but he might be worthwhile picking up 11 clean sheets last season but that was under Rafa um could be quite a useful team for draft managers. They could have a few players picking up solid five points a week if they are solid mm. under Bruce. Isaac Hayden is usually a good one for Conte points as well. See, Phil, Conte points. Yeah, I know. But, see, there's the play. Right. I mean, you've, they've got like Mutu, Mutu, whoever he's called. He's not. Oh, yeah, gonna, I about him. He's not going to like bring in a lot of points, is he? Like John Joe Shelby's a frustrating midfielder. He's not going to get points. They've got that long staff, but he's not a points machine, is he? You know, he's not going to bring him in. I don't think Al Myron, I don't, I'm sure he's not a, a terrible footballer, but I don't think he's going to be an absolute gold mine. Mm, maybe not. Okay, so avoid Newcastle. Yeah, that's, yeah avoid them. That's basically our tip, isn't it? Okay, so let's move on to league positions then. Um, Phil, I've got a feeling you're going to be overly positive about this. Uh, I think they'll go down. I think they'll probably finish 18. Mm. Yeah, interesting. I I thought that first, uh, but then I had the inkling that football doesn't work like that. So in a crazy world, I think they'll stay up because Steve Bruce might have a good start or something. I don't know. Nath, what do you think? I say this with a heavy heart, 19th. You don't say it with a heavy heart. Nothing against Newcastle and the fan base, but that's the club that deserves to go down. Woo! Okay, and on that bombshell, it's time for us to say goodbye, leaving the Newcastle fans on such a positive note, of course. Uh, but join us tomorrow for the final instalment. That's tomorrow will be Thursday, the final instalment of our four-part season previews. And we will be featuring the teams known to you and I as Wolves, Watford, West Ham, Southampton and Spurs, or www.ss. Ha, I just came up with that. Amazing, right? Uh, we'll, of course, be joined again by Lindsay Hooper, who'll be discussing her Team Wolves, and Nathan and Phil will be here. So thanks to Phil, Nathan, Lindsay, and the Fantasy Football Chaps, and anyone else who helped out. Maybe my mum, maybe my dad, maybe just some bloke in a shop who gave me some milk some time. Anyway, see you tomorrow. Bye! Here Let's see Podcast. And it's live.